So this long season of ordinary time, we've been working with the notion of spiritual formation over a lifetime and spent a few weeks on the life of Peter and now we're spending a number of weeks on the life of David and we've been consulting in our adult uh, formation group and in this uh, series of sermons with Eugene Peterson's book, A Leap Over a Wall. And today we're doing formation and friendship. And I have to say that I learned a lot uh, reading this chapter. If we were just playing word association and somebody said to me spiritual formation, I don't think friendship would have been a word that leapt immediately to my mind, but I think Eugene's on to something here. Here's why I think so. Formation implies growth, right? And growth implies that things aren't perfect and that we all have weaknesses, that we sin and we do wrong. And so Eugene says in his book, it's always a shock to find out that not everyone likes us just the way we are, right? With the parts of us that are still in formation. And this is why we experience loving friendship is so important to our spiritual growth. Peterson goes on to say that God's self-giving love is fundamental to the world's existence. And that that famous phrase, that God so loved the world, is our basic text for understanding everything that happens. Now I kind of think we could just go on a weekend retreat with that sentence. That the notion that God so loves the world is our basic text for understanding everything that happens. But this isn't easy because often the actual experience of our lives is that we're criticized and teased and avoided and attacked and shot at and abandoned and cursed and snubbed, stabbed in the back, treated like a doormat. Not all the time, of course, but often enough to realize that not everyone shares God's good view of us. And even in our story this morning, Saul hated David manipulated him, lied to him, drove him in the wilderness as a fugitive, repeatedly tried to kill him. And all because David was good. David wasn't in any way harming Saul. He was doing everything he could to serve Saul, trying to do everything he could perfectly right. And thus you have that part of the passage where David says to Jonathan, what have I done? What's my sin or guilt that your father is trying to kill me? And this unfair treatment had a profound shaping force on the life of David. It was actually fundamental to his spiritual formation in Christ over a lifetime. This unfair treatment by Saul shaped the way David prayed and lived. And you might say that there would be no Psalms as we know them today without David's heart trials. Just think how much of the Psalms are full of raw human emotion trying to deal with raw human life. But interwoven in all this in David's life was this friendship with Jonathan. And the message, the first part of 1 Samuel 18 says that Jonathan was deeply impressed with David and that when he saw what God was doing in and through David for his father Saul, that there was an immediate bond that forged between them. And now Jonathan became totally committed to David. And from that point on, he would be David's number one advocate and friend. And so we notice here, first of all, that the kind of person who can be a good friend like Jonathan is someone who's not looking for something to use that Jonathan was secure enough in himself to see the greatness of David while not exploiting David's obvious weaknesses. Now you just think in contrast of Washington, D.C. or Sacramento, California or the city council of your city. And so at great cost to himself, knowing that his father could have turned and tried to kill him, Jonathan, discerning the work of God in David, And knowing how hard it can be to truly live out of our core identity and our core convictions, right? Just pause for a second and think about how vulnerable that actually is. 
Ask yourself how often you actually even express your truest thoughts, your truest sense of who you might be in God. That is a very vulnerable thing to do. It feels vulnerable even like within ourselves, much less the sort of public or friendship vulnerability that's implied in that. So, but Jonathan discerns this and he can see what God is doing in David. And he can see David's confusion that I am just this little shepherd boy and I'm just writing some lines of poetry here and I'm just setting it to music. It's actually not that big a deal. But when Jonathan sees what God's doing in David, he facilitates David's growth. In fact, Peterson says, it seems unlikely that without Jonathan, we don't have a David in quotes that we now have. That without that kind of friendship, maybe we don't have a David without that kind of consistent love. So the threatened ego of Saul is counteracted by the selfless love of Jonathan, who loved David as he loved himself. Jonathan loved David the way Jesus imagined when he taught to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Or as he taught in John 15, greater love has no man than this than someone lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus, of course, is saying, this is what I'm gonna do for you. And you're my friends if you do what I command you. If you live in this kind of Jonathan-like, helping, encouraging, giving, sacrificial kind of love. So when the Bible says that Jonathan loved David, there are Hebrew verbs for intimate sort of love. There are Hebrew verbs for sexual intimacy. These are smart people. They, they knew what they were talking about. They knew how to express what they were feeling one for another, every bit as good as modern people are. But when Jonathan says that he loves David, he doesn't choose one of those words. He uses a Hebrew verb that comes from a, a core of words that have to do with treaty, making treaty. It has to do with expressing your will to the good of the other. It's the kind of Hebrew word group that we get words like covenant. So that Jonathan is saying to David something like, I'm bound to you in a way that expresses my deep and genuine friendship for you. Our modern language would be, I got your back. That, that would be our way of saying that. That I'm here to support you unconditionally, to help you, to watch out for you, to take care of things that might blindside you like spears flying through the air. And all of a sudden, Saul just chucks a spear at you and you don't see it coming, don't worry. I got your back. I'll be a second set of eyes and hands for you because your well-being is foremost in my mind and heart. That is the love that Jonathan has in mind and that David has reciprocal for him and that they together had for Saul. I will your best. Your well-being is foremost in my mind and heart. Now just imagine the world for a moment if human beings did this for each other. I know it's unimaginable, but try. Human beings doing this for each other. The world be transformed and most problems solved in just a few years. These days when I think about what I do and whether it's speaking or writing or teaching or being a professor or mentoring young clergy, I just find myself more and more centered in this. I just wanna help people take Jesus serious. Not my religion, not my denomination, not my aspect of a denomination, not low church, high church. I'm so utterly bored. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean or sarcastic. I'm keeping it real. I am utterly bored. 
I am bored with partisan politics. It's the same old stuff. How many times in a row do you have to hear the same soundbite? Like, I get it. I get what you think. I get your worldview. But can somebody just try to take Jesus serious here? Like, like what if we did? What if I did? I find myself challenging myself all the time. I, how can I take Jesus serious? I mean, this, this notion of greater love has no man than this and he laid down his life for his friends literally exploded into my life. I'd never read the Bible, but when I was, I always forget, 12 and a half or 13 years old or something, my older brother Dennis died and exploded death in Vietnam. And the little United Methodist Church that I grew up in over in Santa Ana, they erected a flagpole in, uh, in our little courtyard to his honor. And on the, base of that, on the base of that flagpole is a plaque that's still there to this day, Corporal Dennis W. Hunter, who left the safety of his foxhole to engage the enemy in crossfire and was so doing was hit by a mortar shell. Greater love has no man than this. And he laid down his life for his friends. And I stood there as a 13 year old kid yelling in my heart, no way. Come on, my older brother who used to tease me and beat me up in the backyard was in Vietnam for just two or three weeks and laid down his life for a bunch of people he didn't even know. And these foreigners, like there was no way, no way that I could even remotely take that serious or could even conceive. I was just angry, bitter, confused. Night after night, I would have these dreams of sneaking over into Vietnam and killing these gooks. Remember that horrible word from the 70s? Killing these gooks who had killed my brother. That was my reaction. And can I just say, that is the reaction today in boardrooms and in the cloakrooms of the Senate and in marriages and in friendships and in churches is something very different than living a life that as a friend like Jonathan or the kind of people that Jesus thought he was making when he said, learn to love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, even, and your neighbor includes your enemies. See, that is not a, I mean, that is unique to Christianity, but it's not a Christian teaching. That's the one true creator Lord saying, my creation works when you love your neighbor. And sometimes your neighbor is gonna include an enemy. And as you learn to love them as you love yourself, then all the things that go along with retribution and hating in return to violence and the cyclical verbal violence that it pervades human discourse in the Western world, that cycle is only broken as we come to take Jesus serious and to say somewhere, somehow, this is gonna start and let it start with me. Well, I think the reason Eugene sees a Jonathan as such a gift and why I think we all covet kind of a Jonathan in our life is that all of us seek discernment of ourselves. And the truth of it is very few of us feel understood, right? I have many moments where I'm not sure I even understand myself. And so when somebody can reflect back to me reality, when someone can see the work of God in me, when a, a friend or a family member, somebody who actually cares for my well-being, can do that, Peterson says that's the greatest thing any person can do for another, is to take the time to discern what's most deeply there, what's most fully that person, and then confirm it and encourage it. And that lacking confirmation in the presence of such a friend, we lose our vision and energy and our bravest ventures unravel. 
So that, that sort of venturing on God and his kingdom, that sort of venturing on the lordship of Jesus, it begins to unravel when we don't have friends who can reflect back to us, no, David, I know it's unfair what my father's doing to you. Persecution never feels good. I know it's awful, but David, just hang in there because Jonathan could see what was real even when David couldn't. And so with the world and the flesh and the devil all aligned against us, a Jonathan in our life is an indescribable gift. But thinking of being a Jonathan, it only happens when like Jonathan, rather than taking the easy way out, Jonathan walked this tightrope between his father and David. And he did it not in a sort of silly picking of loyalty, like do I, I pick David or do I pick my father? But the way Jonathan worked this out was to discern what God was doing. And that was his source of truth and guidance. You know, if you think of a, a Jonathan in this way, you and you think of the New Testament, you probably think of Barnabas, right? I don't think he gets enough ink. But in the first six or eight chapters of Acts, Barnabas is talked about six or eight times. You know, he's the one who finds and encourages Paul and John Mark. And he has such a gift. He has so much of this Jonathan-like gift of being able to see the reality of God and call it out in others, to call it out in Paul, to call it out in John Mark, that the apostles give him this nickname of son of encouragement, that he was this model of integrity and character that showed itself in selflessness and caring only for the agenda of God and the good of others as he then championed the work of God and Paul and John, Mark and others, he gets this name, son of encouragement. And then lastly, our Psalm reading this morning lays before us this vision of a way in which we can live our life, not in cycles of verbal and physical violence or whatever, but the psalmist, and um, this is a Psalm that we're not sure who wrote. It could be Moses, could be David, could be somebody we don't know. But I want you to note before I just highlight this for you that this psalm is the experience of a real life. So whether it's Moses with all of his confusions about God and life, or whether it was David with all of his confusions about God in real life, this is the heart of somebody who experienced God as they were pursuing formation over a lifetime. And their experience of God was that he rescues you from hidden traps. He shields you from deadly hazards. And you can see how this could have been David how his huge outstretched arms protect you and under them you're perfectly safe. You can come to the place where you fear nothing knowing that God is your refuge. You can know that evil can't get close to you, it can't harm you, can't even get through the door. And if you hold on to me, God says for dear life, I'll get you out of any trouble. I'll give you the best care if only you'll know and trust me. Call on me and I'll answer. I'll be at your side in bad times. So what's revealed, I think, in this story of Jonathan and David and, and its vision for our formation in Christ is that we see these contrasts, a raging king on the one hand, a singing shepherd on the other, a spear pitted against a harp. And what happens? After each outbreak of violence, each attempt at murder, Saul is weaker and more distraught. Just try to picture this. And after each outbreak of violence and each attempt at murder, David is stronger and still befriended. David, bolstered by the love and friendship of Jonathan, refuses the way of violence and embraces the way of love and service. Protected in the covenant love of Jonathan and in the covenant love of God, evil doesn't diminish David. 
It doesn't narrow him. None of Saul's evil gets inside of him. That's the path and the only grounds for loving our neighbor as ourself, which sometimes includes our enemy, and living in the kind of love that one lays down their life for another, that literally says your well-being is foremost in my mind. And as that happened to David, all the evil and violence and manipulation and political intrigue that surrounded him, it didn't touch him. It didn't diminish him. It didn't narrow him. He was able to live in it and through it, through the friendship of God that was mediated to him through Jonathan's friendship with him. Yes, I mean, sorry for a bit of theology here, but you might say that it was, this was a kind of a sacramental reality that in the same way that God gives himself to us and mediates himself to us in bread and wine or in the waters of baptism, in this case, God is mediating his strength and his goodness, his capacity, his ability to do this very hard life was being mediated to David through the gift of a friendship with Jonathan. So we come now to our quiet time. You can do one of two things here. Maybe you want to think of someone in your life right now who you know needs sacrificial love, somebody who needs help or encouraged, somebody who needs to have the reality of God in their lives called out and named. Maybe somebody struggling to come to know themselves. Is there somebody who the Spirit brings to your mind who you might give yourself to in that way? Or maybe you want to thank God for someone who has been this to you, someone who discerned the work of God in you, named it, and in naming it, freed you to be what God's called you to be.